This is the 2448 Podcast. What's up everybody? I'm Matt Broom, your friendly firefighting financial planner, and this is the 2448 Podcast. This show focuses on improving your finances, your side hustles, and moving the fire service forward through honest discussion. Let's get going. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the 2448 Podcast. My name is Matthew Broom, and thanks for joining me. Today we are focused on making ends meet, and we've actually got a listener question that I am excited to answer, and it asks, do you have any tips on picking a mutual fund? A general tip that I have is to invest in low-cost index funds, or ETFs, that create a globally diversified portfolio that is in line with your personal goals. This, The diversified aspect of that goes back to the old adage of don't put all your eggs in one basket. And that's essentially what diversification is. A well-diversified portfolio will include U.S. companies as well as international companies on the scale from large to small. And you can typically achieve this by owning three to five low-cost index funds. The low-cost part of that is important because it has actually been the only variable shown to predict how well a portfolio or a fund will perform. It doesn't matter how many Harvard and Yale degrees you have in their managing money. They cost money. And the more you pay for your investment, the less of it you keep. And that's why low-cost investments have typically outperformed their managed counterparts because the less money you pay for your investment, the more of it you get to keep. Seems simple. So utilizing a diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds is typically your best strategy. I'm not saying Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger are doing it wrong because they're investing in individual companies and not using low-cost index funds. What I'm saying is you and I aren't them. And we're not going to spend all day, every day, reading annual reports from Coca-Cola and other companies. So our best bet at building wealth and investing successfully is using a globally diversified low-cost index fund portfolio. And that's actually what Warren Buffett suggests for his family. He actually made a bet once with a hedge fund manager that he would put a certain amount of money into an index fund and they could manage their money however they like. And in 10 years, they were going to see who came out on top. And surprise, surprise, Warren Buffett won with the S&P 500 index fund. So once you've kind of gotten on board with this globally diversified, low-cost index fund strategy, you have to start deciding which particular investments to fill your portfolio with. And selecting investments is a function of your objective or goal, the associated time horizon that you have to complete this goal, your risk 
tolerance as far as investing, how much uh, risk are you willing to take or comfortable taking, along with your risk capacity, meaning how much risk you actually can take. So let's start with your goals. Whenever you're talking about investing, you have to figure out what you are investing for. Going through the process of defining your goals allows you to crystallize those ideas in your own psyche. You really hone in on that time horizon that you would like to maybe buy a home or pay for your kid's college or retire. Depending on when you need this money, significantly impacts what you are investing in. So let's take a couple examples here. Let's say you have just birthed little Jimmy. He was born healthy a week ago and you are a responsible parent that is placing a importance on your child's education and you want to start saving now so that little Jimmy can focus on school when he gets to that point. So we've already got a pretty well-known time horizon unless he's some child genius and is going to start at Harvard at age 14. Probably not the case. So you probably have about 18 years to save. So considering the reasonably long time frame, you can start fairly risky, meaning more tilted towards stock funds. And then as little Jimmy ages, you move to more conservative investments, bond funds, maybe cash equivalents, money market type things, as your child ages so that when it's time for little Jimmy to go to that college, whatever choice he makes, the money is there and you can make sure that tuition payment is paid up. Now let's think about a different goal. Maybe you are planning for retirement. You can look at this one from a few different perspectives. If you're just beginning your career, retirement can be quite far away. If that's the case, you're seeking mostly long-term growth. You don't need any current income from your retirement portfolio. So based on this time horizon, you're going to lean towards a riskier portfolio. Maybe 100% stock portfolio. Maybe not, but you're probably going to lean closer to that than you would a 60-40 stock-to-bond split. Personally, I invest 50% of my retirement funds into an S&P 500 fund, which is the 500 largest companies in America, 25% into a U.S. small-cap index fund, 15% into an international index fund, and 10% into an emerging markets index fund. So I am 100% invested in a stock portfolio and I plan on keeping it that way for some time. My wife and I have discussed this. Um, we have a very good understanding of our time frame and our risk tolerance. We're both comfortable with it. We're not going to change it. We're not going to jump out of the market if something bad was to happen because we understand that we don't need this money for 30 years. So we can withstand the ups and downs. And that's how it is for most people that are very early on in their careers. You have to find something that you're comfortable with that you can invest in consistently and just leave it alone. I don't even think you should go in and look at it more than quarterly maybe because when you focus on it too much, you 
tend to think that maybe you could change something and do better, but you just got to let it ride. Now, on the flip side of that, maybe you are recently retired or you're about to retire. Now, if this is the case, you may need a much more conservative allocation that's focused on providing current income because that is going to be your livelihood in retirement. So this would lead you towards more bond funds or maybe dividend-paying stock funds, but it's not going to be the same growth mindset that you might have early on in your career. You're focused on bringing in your current income from your investments so you can live a nice life in retirement. But let's say you have, you've just retired and you have a pension. Now that could be a completely different scenario. If your pension is going to completely take care of all of your basic needs and you don't need any of your investments to maintain your current lifestyle, that might lead you more down the path of uh, legacy type goals, which if that's the case, you can maintain that growth style portfolio with your long-term legacy goals. So all this stuff is really just highly personal to your specific situation. There's no one-size-fits-all answer. It's kind of everybody's got a gray area that they need to find that they're comfortable operating in and stick with it and reevaluate every so often. So once you've defined these goals that you are investing for, now you need to move on to your risk tolerance. When I say tolerance, I mean how much risk you're actually comfortable with. So if you had $500,000 in your retirement fund and you had that entire thing in an S&P 500 fund, could you stomach a drop of $150,000? If you went from 500000 down to 350000 would you be okay with that? because that's essentially what happened in 2008. And if you can't stomach that, then you are invested too aggressively. And that's why you need to have a good understanding of your risk tolerance so that you can find something that when times get tough, you're not gonna head for the hills and sell it all and, and uh, move all your money to cash and be done with it. And it's tough to not have that type of reaction when it seems like the world is falling down around us because we always prefer certainty to uncertainty. So you pretty much just have to be okay with the fact that nothing is certain in the markets. And you have to be okay with the fact that by putting your money in the market investing, you are making a bet about the future. And pretty much that bet is saying you, you think the markets are going to go up over the long term. Annie Duke is a professional poker player and she wrote a book called Thinking and Bets. She says a bet is a decision about an uncertain future. We can't control the future. All we can do is try to make the best, most well-informed decisions in our present situation. And understanding our risk tolerance can help us to do that. And there's a couple of different ways to figure that out, which I'll get to momentarily. But in regards to your risk tolerance, you have to understand your risk capacity. Just because you can psychologically tolerate a big drop in the market doesn't mean you have the capacity to do so. 
risk capacity is the amount of risk that you can actually afford to take on. So going back to the pensioner from earlier, their lifestyle is taken care of by their pension. They can afford to take much more risk. Their risk capacity is much greater than the retiree that is focused on providing current income from his retirement portfolio. So you have to keep in mind, just because you have the capacity for the risk, doesn't mean you actually have the psychological grit to withstand those ups and downs. And that's where you have to go back to the tolerance side of it. So if you're interested in gaining an understanding of your risk tolerance, I would suggest going online. I would Google Vanguard's Investor Questionnaire. It'll pop up in a form type format where you can put it in and it'll give you a score or there's a PDF version you can go to it and you can fill it out, print it out, fill it out. And it'll give you a suggestion on what they think your based on your risk tolerance, your portfolio should be. These things are not 100%. Um, they're not the end-all, be-all as far as, yeah, this is how you should be investing. But it gives you an idea. It gives you a starting point of where you might be able to go from there. So once you've got an idea of what your goal is, how much risk you're willing to take, now you can start actually developing that asset allocation. Unfortunately, this takes research. I remember when I first took an interest in investing, I would spend hours reading through prospectuses of passive index funds versus active mutual funds. And I tried to educate myself on how these funds were managed and what they were investing in. And I used to really enjoy doing that. Now it's kind of it's kind of boring to me because, well, if you've never read a investment prospectus, give it a shot, see how long you last. It's, it can get pretty boring. But when it comes to the research, I suggest researching target date retirement funds. Because basically a target date retirement fund takes your age and your supposed retirement date and it gives you an allocation of investments that's going to move from a riskier stock to bond portfolio down to a more conservative where the bond portfolio grows in relation to the stocks as you get closer to retirement. So I would, once again, I'd Google Vanguard Target Retirement. And you can do this with pretty much any brokerage company like Schwab, Schwab TD Ameritrade, whatever. They all have target date funds. And I would click on the, uh, you know, the website, go to it, and... Once you're there, you can see, if you scroll down, it'll ask you which target retirement fund fits your timeline. So let's take a look here. I was born in 1990. So there's one right here from your birth year. 1988 to 1992 gives you about 35 years to retirement. Huh, okay, I fall into that category. Let's see how they're invested. Click on it, let's go to the detailed fund profile and we scroll down all right here we go portfolio composition we see that they're actually about 90 percent invested in stocks and 10 percent invested in bonds so it's a 90 10 portfolio now to dig deeper than that 53.9 percent 
of that stock portfolio or of the portfolio is invested into the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. That is a total U.S. stock market index fund. It's low cost. It's diversified across the entire U.S. stock market. It seeks to mimic the U.S. stock market. It's not actively managed by anybody who's actively seeking to beat the market. It's just hoping to make market returns, which is, in the long run, really the best that you can do. The second largest thing that it is invested in is the Vanguard Total International Stock Index Fund. That's 35.9%. Okay, so we're well diversified across U.S. funds. Now we have a total international stock index fund, so we're well diversified internationally. Both of these funds are low cost. Uh, I'm sure the this particular fund has a fund fee of 0.15%, which says this is 67% lower than the average expense ratio of funds with similar holdings. If you bought these funds individually, they would probably be even lower than that. So I'm, I'm not sure what the total stock market index fund is, but it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 0.03 or 0.04% or three to four basis points, as we say in the, in the industry. So extremely low cost. This is a well-diversified portfolio and it's split between stocks and bonds. So the 10% that's associated with the bonds Let's see here, we got the Vanguard Total Bond Market Index Fund. That's 7.1% of the portfolios going into that as the U.S. bond market, well diversified, probably owns corporate bonds, treasury bonds, the whole range of things that encompass the U.S. bond market. And then the fourth investment here is the Vanguard Total International Bond Index Fund. So once again, diversified internationally, stocks and bonds, pretty much has the whole gamut of the uh, global economy encompassed there. So, low cost, diversified. This is a pretty good portfolio. This is a good starting point for somebody who's in my shoes with about 35 years to retirement. A 90-10 stock to bond ratio. Let's say you took a risk tolerance questionnaire and you came out that you could, you could tolerate a 100% stock portfolio. Okay. I would just take what we have here, the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund and the Vanguard Total International Stock Index Fund, and exclude the bonds from it and just put 100% into those two. And if you actually run the numbers of the the 90% that is invested into the stock funds, it's about a 60-40 split of the U.S. fund to the international fund. So you could just maintain that same breakdown with a 100% stock portfolio. So put 60% into the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index and 40% into the International Stock Index. Or you could scale it back the other way. Let's say you were more conservative. You maybe want more of an 80-20 or a 70-30 portfolio. You could scale back and do that and just maintain the percentages as they are. So I'm not telling you that you should go in here and you should make a portfolio just like this 90-10, but I'm, what I am saying is that it gives you a good starting point. Uh, Vanguard is kind of your low-cost leader when it comes to index funds, so if you're looking to research those, it's a great starting point. Uh, Vanguard is a, is a very well-respected name in the investing business. 
John Bogle pretty much wrote the book on index investing. So definitely research him and Vanguard and their index funds. And, you know, every, pretty much everybody's offering index funds these days, TD Ameritrade, Schwab. It doesn't matter. They all have very similar things that are seeking to mimic market-like returns that are low cost and well diversified. So that's for somebody who's in my shoes. Now they have a breakdown for all this stuff. You could go back and look at, you know, whether you're five years from retirement, 10 years from retirement. Um, you know, they have target dates for people that are in retirement already. So do some research. That's really what it takes. You have to get comfortable with these things. It's not like you can just show up one day and, you know, completely get these things. It takes time. It takes research. It's taken me, I didn't learn about this stuff in college. It's taken me 10 years of reading on my own to start to feel comfortable with it. So it's okay if you don't understand it. It's not like you were ever taught it. But if you want to build wealth and invest, you need to take some time and learn these things. So that kind of leads me to my rules for investing. So now we've got, we've defined our goals. We know what we are investing for, why we are investing. We have a good understanding of your risk tolerance, how much risk you are willing to take on and your capacity for risk. We've delved into the allocation of what we are going to be investing in and what the breakdown of that is. And now we can discuss the principles that are going to guide our investing. My number one rule is that you need to focus on your savings rate, not your rate of return. Rate of return is largely out of your control. I don't know what the market is going to do next year. Never mind five years from now. Never mind 20 years from now. It's out of our control. You need to focus on how much you're saving. And if you maximize that, you're probably going to be okay. So don't obsess over your returns that you're getting. Stay invested and focus on increasing the amount you are saving. This leads me to my second point, that it's about time in the market and not timing the market. Timing in the market is, well, near impossible. It's something that seems sexy that you're, you know, day trading the market, doing this and that, but it just doesn't work out for people. If you focus on increasing your savings rate into a low-cost, globally diversified portfolio and just sticking with it, you will build wealth. You don't need to be worried about jumping in and jumping out of the market because, well, there's been two or three times in the last year that people have been worried about the recession's coming. And as far as I can tell, it hasn't showed up yet. Doesn't mean it's not going to, but nobody really knows these things. You know, it's once again, largely out of our control. We have to focus on the things within our circle of influence. Your savings rate is within your circle of influence. The time your money stays in the market is within your circle of influence. And this leads me to my third rule is that you have to rebalance. 
So you took all this time to define your goal, come up with an asset allocation, and now at least once a year you need to go in and rebalance those investments. Let's say you went with that 90-10 portfolio and you've got you know a certain percentage dedicated to that total stock market, the U.S. total stock market index fund, and it's on a tear. We're doing great. USA, USA, we're doing fantastic. That fund might be disproportionately uh, higher than what it was, or disproportionately more of your portfolio than where you want it to be. So by rebalancing, you're basically selling high and you're reallocating it to the funds that did not perform as well. You're selling high and buying low. That's age-old stock market wisdom, and that's what rebalancing does for you. Personally, I rebalance quarterly. I don't know if that's the best thing to do. That's just what I do. You need to probably rebalance at least once a year. A lot of investment managers rebalance by what they call bands, which is like they will rebalance when you get plus or minus 5% or whatever it is out of whack. But once a year will be just fine. You just need to make sure that you're going in and rebalancing your investments. Within my retirement accounts at the fire department, you can set it to rebalance uh, quarterly, semi-annually, or annually, I believe. And it does it for you, so that's super easy. And it's important that you make sure that gets done. So, remember, savings rate is greater than rate of return. Time in the market is more important than timing in the market. And you have to rebalance your portfolio. Bring it back into line with your where you are comfortable investing and you maintain that with a long-term perspective. So I hope you got some value for this. Please give me feedback wherever you would like. You can email me at matthew at forwardfocusfp.com. You can reach out to me on Facebook at 2448podcast. There's a form on there, actually, if you have any other questions that you would like addressed on the show. If you have any, if you know any guests or anybody that you think would be good to come on the show as a guest, whether they have a side job that they've been successful with or if they want to come on and talk shop, anything they want to talk about with the fire department, please go to the Facebook page and fill that form out. Uh, this show is about the listeners. It's about you guys and gals. I want it to be helpful. I want it to be enjoyable to listen to. And if I'm not getting feedback, then I cannot provide that value to you. So please Take the time, go fill that out, reach out to me if you have any feedback, and I enjoy doing this, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in once again, everybody. If you got value from this, please like us on Facebook, subscribe in your podcast player of choice. And if you enjoyed the music, it's from some friends of mine, a band called All the Locals. Check them out. They're awesome. 
Cheers. Y'all have a good day.